part of our offering of, of worship week in and week out. And we don't, we don't talk about this every week at CORE, but, uh, and we don't, we don't uh, do sort of a, some of the more traditional practices around it, but uh, part of our offering every week, part of our worship as we come together, is a response to the gifts that God has given us in giving of our own time, talents, and, and resources back to Him. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, Paul's talking to, to the Corinthian church and, and, and talking to them specifically about uh, the need to be generous to their fellow believers. And he's, in that, in that uh, passage, he's talking specifically about fellow believers who are suffering in another place. And what Paul says is this, that one of the most beautiful lines about what Jesus has done for us, but also about our own response. He says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And what Paul goes on to say is when he, when he says, so that you by his poverty might become rich, what he's not talking about is a, a, a flipping of circumstances. What he's not talking about is, is, is just that, that Christ has come in order to make your financial life better. <laughs> what Paul says is, so you might his, by his poverty become rich so that, so that you may be a blessing to those around you. And what Paul's talking about here is not, not merely material, or not primarily uh, material blessings. He's talking about the richness of the love that we have been shown in Christ Jesus. And that as we experience that love, inevitably, if we have truly experienced it, we will go and live changed lives that are a blessing to those around us. One of the ways that we can do this as a community is by seeking to steward our resources in such a way that we proclaim and are faithful witnesses to the gospel in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation, and around the world. So as we look forward to, to 2024, and we'll be communicating uh, uh, in our all-church meeting in just a few weeks, our all-church meeting will be on the last Sunday in January. I believe it's January 28th. Does that sound right? Janu January 28th. Uh, I had the date in my head, and now I've lost it. I think it's January 28th. The last Sunday in January, uh, the, uh, the all-church meeting where we gather for, for just a little bit of time after the service, and we, we look forward to the year ahead. We, we approve our budget. We approve our new church officers during that time uh, by voting as a congregation. Um, but, but as we look forward to that, and as we set things up for that, and as we look at the budget uh, leading up to that, one of the things that, that we are seeking to do is to find ways to be, to continue to steward our, our resources in the best way possible, to be a witness to our neighbors, to be a light for the gospel, to keep proclaiming God's word faithfully, and to keep finding ways to grow as a congregation to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So part of our worship, week in and week out, is, is, uh, is a response of giving our, our time, our talents, and uh, the resources, even the financial resources that God has given us in order that we might do this well. Uh, the way we do this at CORE is we have a, a giving box in the back. We don't pass a plate. Um, we have a giving box as you, as you walk in, um, or you can 
uh, give online, uh, and you can find that uh, link on our website. Let me pray for us as we seek to, to respond to God's gift in this way. Lord God, we pray that we would never uh, that we would never misuse the great gift of love that you have given us or, or the, the, the resources that you have given us to steward. We recognize that, that, that these things, everything, every single thing that you have given us is a, is a gift. It's not, it's not fundamentally ours. It is all yours in the first place. You have created it. So Lord, we pray that we, would, that we would be good stewards of it. We pray that we would use it well. We pray that we would use our resources, bend our resources in such a way that they are, uh, are used for the furthering of your kingdom. Pray that you would help us to use our gifts, our, our, our talents that you've given us, the many skill sets that you've given us in this body to, to bless those around us. Help us to use our time and help us also to use our money well. To, to be a blessing to those around us, to love you and to love our neighbors. And Lord, as we do this imperfectly, we pray that you would help us to be more and more like Jesus Christ, more and more willing to divest ourselves for the furtherance of your kingdom and for the sake of others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. If you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. As you turn there, I know we've mentioned several different announcements this morning. I did want to mention one more. We are planning to have a, a, a new members class uh, in January. I wanted to give you a heads up about that if you're planning uh, to, to think through becoming a member or, or to ask more questions uh, before two of the Sundays in January at 9 o'clock, we will gather for that time to learn more about what that looks like at Christ our Redeemer. But now let's turn to God's, to God's Word. And we're going to focus here in Matthew chapter 1 for a few moments this morning. This, this famous uh, Christmas passage, it's well known, it's familiar. My hope is as we spend some time here this morning that the Lord would use these words as he promises to do to bear, to bear fruit in our hearts, in our lives. We're going to start in verse 18 and we'll read to verse 25. Friends, this is God's word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Lord God, as we look at these words this morning, help us. Help us by your spirit to, to be a changed people. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The book of Matthew is interesting. Uh, it's a little different than, uh, than the other Gospels. There, there are three Gospels that are very similar to each other in many ways, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. But the birth accounts that we get in, in these different Gospels are, are wildly different, actually. It's, it's one of the, the biggest differences uh, that we see in the different Gospel accounts. Mark actually doesn't talk about Jesus' birth at all. John gives sort of a theological reflection. He, he almost talks about it from God's perspective. He says, this, this is what happened when, when Jesus came, but he doesn't describe the historical circumstances at all. But in, in Matthew and Luke, we get a, a, an account of the history, what, what actually happened. But there's, there's an interesting difference between Matthew and Luke and how they present these two stories. Luke presents the story of Jesus really from, from Mary's perspective. What, what, what probably happened was, was Luke actually went and talked to people. He got uh, information from those who knew Mary well, maybe even talked to Mary herself. And, and, and Luke got those stories and handed them down to us, and he gives those stories from Mary's perspective. But Matthew gives us something different. Matthew gives the account of Jesus' birth, not from Mary's perspective, but from Joseph's. So we get this unique passage in the book of Matthew where it, it's really the only time in the entire Bible where we get Joseph's point of view about something, where we get Joseph's perspective on one of the most uh, important and life-changing encounters that he has in his life. Well, the most important and life-changing encounter. See, Mary and Joseph are, are betrothed, which in a first century setting, as you probably know, was, was a little different than our engagement today. Engagement now is, is sort of a promise that we will one day uh, uh, Mary, uh, the person that we are engaged to, but, but there's not any sort of legal ramifications for becoming engaged. And in a first century setting, what happened was before a couple got married, they actually came into a legal agreement with each other. There was, there was a legal, it was almost as if they were already married in every way, except that they hadn't moved in together yet, and they weren't sleeping together yet. So you get, so you get this, uh, this period of time where you're actually legally bound to one another. Now, of course, Joseph, when he's uh, engaged to Mary here, betrothed to Mary in this way, in this first century way, and then he finds out that Mary is pregnant, his mind comes to some conclusions. What the text tells us is that he was a just man, and he chose to do the right thing. He didn't want to put her to shame. He didn't want to make it a public thing. He didn't want to bring things to court. So he decides to try and settle things privately. Jewish law actually required that if there was an unfaithful spouse, uh, that, that, a, that a divorce would happen, particularly in a betrothal period. So Joseph knew the law, knew that this was required, and decided to do it quietly, not to try and expose Mary's sin as much as he could. So Joseph, being a just man, does this, and this is the plan that he has. 
This is the plan that he has, and it's a good plan. The Bible tells us it's a, it's a, it's a righteous plan. It's the right way to do things, not to try and expose sin unnecessarily. But then he has an encounter. Then he has an encounter, and, and it's, it's, it's not simply a, a, a run-of-the-mill, normal encounter. This is an extremely disruptive encounter. And here's what I want you to see about this encounter. An angel comes to him. First of all, you don't encounter an angel every day, so that's unusual. Uh, an angel comes and appears to Joseph, and, and what does the angel say to him? Well, the first thing he says is the exact same words he says to Mary in the book of Luke. What are those words? Do not fear. This is actually what angels say a lot when they show up. They say, do not fear. There's something about angels that apparently is terrifying. But there's a little bit of a different aspect to the do not fear in what the angel says to Joseph than usually what angels say. Usually angels are saying, do not fear, basically because, because I've shown up and I know how terrifying I am. <laughs> you don't need to fear, despite how terrible, how awesome my presence is. <laughs> but what does, the Joseph, what does the angel say to Joseph? The angel says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. What I want you to see this morning fundamentally is this, that an encounter with Jesus an encounter with the Savior who we celebrate at Christmas is an encounter that will interrupt all of your plans. It's an encounter that will disrupt you in particular ways. It's an encounter that, that, that changes everything to the point that you need to hear those words, do not fear, to respond in the way that the gospel calls you to respond. Do not fear to, 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 to put your trust in this unbelievable story, in this unbelievable Savior, you need to hear those words this morning. Do not fear. Do not fear to act on what you have seen God do. You know, I think one of the most dangerous things for American Christians one of the most dangerous things for, for people in our own cultural setting is that it is so easy to be a Christian. So easy. It's just kind of a part of our culture. It's a, something we can add on to our lives. And, and, it, and it becomes something that's, that's no longer disruptive, no longer interrupts our plans, no longer has to change our plans. We can just have the same plans that we would have apart from Jesus and we, and we just attach a little Christianity on the side. It's, that is one of the biggest dangers of being a Christian in America, my friends. It doesn't feel like a danger because it's so comfortable. But it is one of the biggest dangers that we face. The reason that it's one of the biggest dangers that we face is because, friends, this is not an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus like the encounter that Joseph had, will interrupt your plans, will change everything, will cause you to need to make a decision at which you will naturally fear. 
Think about the different, the different folks who have to respond to the coming of Jesus. Think of Mary. Mary in Luke's gospel, who, who's, who's a virgin, and then is told that she's going to be with child, and she's going to have to go explain to everybody that, no, I didn't actually sleep with a man, I, but I'm pregnant. Who's going to believe her? Changes her entire life. Her entire set of interactions with everyone that she will have a relationship with. It, it, think of the disciples. Jesus shows up at their workplace, and he says, follow me. And what do, they, what do they have to do to respond? Well, they leave their vocation. They leave the thing they've done for their entire life. They, they leave the, the intimate relationships with their family, and, and they go and they follow Jesus. The gospel writers over and over and over give, give us examples of what this encounter with Jesus needs to look like. It, like. it is disruptive, friends. It interrupts your plans. And here Joseph experiences the disruption and the change that an encounter with Jesus necessarily involves. His plan is completely interrupted. He was going to do the right thing. He was going to divorce Mary quietly, not expose her sin, and now the angel tells him, Joseph, this, this is what you need to do. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Friends, this same Jesus is the one who you and I encounter, and we also have a choice. Just like Joseph was invited not to fear, to respond to Jesus Christ, to respond to the God who gave him these unbelievable promises instead of information, we too are invited this morning. We're invited to, 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 to look at our own lives, to say, is, is Jesus something that I have sort of added on as a part of my plans that I've added on as a piece of my life, but he hasn't really interrupted my, my plans. He hasn't really interrupted any parts of my life. <clears throat> We're invited to, to, to look at Jesus this morning and to say, where is he calling me to disrupt the plans that I have? Where is he calling me to, to interrupt the priorities in my life? Because, because when we come to Jesus, what he says is that our priorities, our plans, will be utterly turned around. I can no longer live for myself. I can no longer live primarily in, in such a way that, that, that I'm, I'm merely pursuing a vocation or success or friendships or, or, or looking as good as I can uh, when Jesus comes into my life, what he says is, now your greatest priority is me. And he says that, that your greatest priority is me because I'm the only one who provides true life. I'm who you were created for. It is actually your good to make me your greatest priority. So perhaps you're here this morning and you're curious about Jesus and 
You've thought maybe about some of the ways that he makes these radical statements in the Gospels where he says things like, if you follow me, you've got to take up your cross. If you follow me, all of your relationships, even with your closest family, may look like hate in comparison with the love that you have for me. Just like the disciples had to leave their families in order to follow Jesus. You, you, you may be here this morning and you wonder about uh, how, how is Jesus going to affect my own personal outlook on life, my own personal plans, my own personal lifestyle. And you're fearful. If I actually give my life to this, if I actually go all in on this, that's a scary prospect. What you're invited this morning to do, friend, is, is, is to look at who this Jesus is. And, and I want you to notice, notice very quickly what the angel tells us about Jesus that makes him worthwhile, that makes him worthy of this kind of a decision, this kind of a decision to give everything to him. What the angel tells us is that God, friends, first is faithful to his promise. God is faithful to his promise. Notice what, what the angel says when he identifies Joseph at the beginning of his speech. He says, Joseph, son of David. Now, young people, you, may, you, you looked at David this last year in your Sunday schools, and you remember David. What's most famous about David? David and Goliath. I heard, I heard you, Simon. David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath, that story shows us that, that David is the true king. And throughout the Old Testament, we get this language about, about David being the king, but God promising that, that a new king would come in the line of David. And what Matthew's showing us, he says, Joseph, son of David, he didn't have to say son of David. Joseph knew who he was, but he's reminding us of the promises that led up to that there's a king that we're waiting on. God promised a king would come. And Matthew's telling us the king has come now. But then he says this, he says, all this took place to fulfill what God had promised. And this promise, friends, happened centuries before Jesus came. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is faithful to his promise. So, so when the angel says, Joseph, interrupt your entire life, Go away from, from the goals that you had. May, shape your entire life around this truth, around this person. He says, he says, first of all, you're shaping your life about someone who's faithful to their promises, who keeps their promises. And we are so often disappointed by those around us who break promises, even when they don't mean to. But God is faithful to his promise. But he's not only faithful to his promise, he's a God who acts with a purpose. And this is, this is what the angel highlights to Joseph. He says, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. That's the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. For he will save his people from their sins. And this is the purpose that God acts with. He is a, a savior of sinners. God made himself known in the Old Testament by the name Yahweh, which was a, main, a name that meant I am who I am. I don't change. In God's steady, he's faithful. He doesn't change based on our circumstances. He remains the same. He remains the perfectly loving, holy, almighty God. But he acts with a purpose. And his purpose 
is not simply to change our circumstances, not simply to deliver us out of the hardships that we face, but his purpose is to save us from our sin. God's faithful to his promises. He's bringing the right person. He's acting with a purpose. He's going to save you and I from our own sin, from our own bondage. But this is the most glorious truth that, that the angel gives us, is that God is bringing his presence. He's faithful to his promises. He acts with a purpose, but he brings his presence. Matthew adds this little note for those non-Hebrew speakers in his audience where he explains what the name Emmanuel means. The name Emmanuel means God with us. In the birth of Jesus, the holy almighty God has come to be present with his people. And friends, this is a truth worth disrupting your life for. This is a person worth disrupting your life for. Jesus Christ invites you today, those of you who who know him, who believe in him, to, to, to look at your life and to say, how is Jesus calling me to continue to give myself more to the Lord and to those around me? To become more like the God who gave everything for me, acted with a purpose for my salvation. But friend, if you don't know him this morning, if, you, if, if he's been on the side, if he's been kind of a convenient part of your life, but he hasn't disrupted those plans that you have and your lifestyle and where you want to, to go, if he hasn't created that interruption that he will inevitably bring, my invitation this morning is, to, is to, to pray to him to put your trust in this God who keeps his promises. This God who, who has acted with a purpose to save you. And this God who has brought his presence in the person of Jesus Christ so that you might live with him forever. What he calls you to do is, is simply to trust, to have faith, to come into to relationship with him, to reach out and to say, Lord, I, 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 I know that I cannot do this on my own. I'm giving my life to you. I'm putting my trust in the one who can do it. And I'm willing for it all to be disruptive. Friends, do not fear. Do not fear to do that because he is the savior of sinners. Lord Jesus, we are so we're so grateful. We're grateful that you have not only remained far off, that you've not only stayed in, in, in eternal riches, in heaven that are rightfully yours, but that you gave all of it up to come and be close, to come and bring your presence. And Lord, as we, as we hear these words, I pray this morning that you would work in our hearts. Help us not to fear, to act in faith and to respond Lord, we believe you are the living God, the only one who can save sinners. We believe you are the one who has 
given everything and who is also the, the, the only source of salvation, the only one who can accomplish our salvation and can bring us life. So we pray this morning that you would help us not to fear, not to fear the disruption or the interruption and help us to respond to you, help us to cling to you, help us to worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.